I'm Elizabeth Scanlon, and this is the American Poetry Review Podcast. Hi, welcome back. Uh, It's just me here today, uh, but I have something special to share with you. A few weeks ago, on October 20th, we had an event here at the Philadelphia Ethical Society, which, as you know, is the home of the American Poetry Review. Um, Our dear friends, Major Jackson and Kazem Ali, uh, both iconic poets, uh, joined us here in Philly for a reading to celebrate their new books. Uh, And because we recorded such an abundance of riches that night, we're going to split this up into two episodes. So first up today, we have Kazem Ali. Uh, If you're not familiar with Kazem's work, you are in for such a treat. Um, Kazem has... uh, Kazem has published so many books. Kazem has, I've lost, I've lost count, honestly. Um, he is the author of the poetry collections, The 40th Day, uh, The Far Mosque, uh, and several more. He has also authored uh, cross-genre works, such as Bright Felon. Uh, he has published fiction, such as Quinn's Passage, um, and he has worked as a translator and an editor. Uh, he currently teaches uh, at the University of California in San Diego, uh, and tonight, or rather I should say today, um, we will be listening to Cosm's reading from his new book, Sukun, which is a volume of new and selected poems. Uh, I hope you enjoy. Cosm Ali. Hi, hi. It's, a, it's really, really good to be here. Um, with all of you reading for APR, seeing older friends and newer friends and brand new friends, and to read again with Major, who I read with, I was telling someone back in the day when we were young um, pups. <laughs> I think the last time we read together was like probably 15 plus years ago. It was like a private school in Vermont, or was it Jersey? Pitney or Dorset or something, right? Yeah, so it's great to be here with you. And on the occasion of the, for both of us, the publication of a new and selected poems, which is, um, it's an odd moment because it's kind of, it's like, are you a has-been or, or are you, <laughs> you, I am, maybe not you, uh, or, or are you getting ready for, are you getting ready for whatever is next, you know, and it's kind of both. It's a look back and it's a look forward in certain ways. Um, and mine is called sukun. It's an Arabic word. Uh, that means calm or serenity, but it's also this, it is the word for a form of Arabic punctuation. Um, All Arabic vowel, uh, all Arabic consonants are also short vowels, Um, and then one marks a consonant with a sukun to say that there is no consonant sound, there's no vowel sound that follows it. So it kind of, it had that meaning for me too. So I'm going to read that poem first, which is the last poem in the book, actually. But it's nice to start at the end. Um, plus, an, an, a book in Arabic would start on this side of the book. So, Sukun. The world is wound around me, wound that blessing that approaches reproach, that world that would wind, would wind, wound how thunder would sunder, the sound there, sown there, is shown, shown, sown to a one that would remain, remains 
Still one in the world could will I one will I shunned sun soon swoon sukun. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I know I don't mean to confuse it. Just it just happens. That is the condition. <laughs> that that is the condition of my life. I woke up in a world that. Uh, I was not expecting, and it was not expecting me. <laughs> so this poem is called Abu Nuwaz. Abu Nuwaz was a seventh century uh, North African poet. He uh, he was um, uh, as, as equally fond of um, poetry, wine, and uh, God and handsome young men. And his the, his his name uh, Abu Nawaz is not his name. It's his is kind of a title in a, in a fashion, and it means father of the locks. And by locks, it it's the the locks of hair, that, um, referring to the long tousled curls that were his signature look. I encountered him on the label of a bottle of wine that sat on the table between Marilyn Hacker and I in 2008, <laughs> somewhere in the Onzeem. Halfway between the northern and southern sky hangs the constellation of Abu Nawaz, who, drunk and in love, knelt at places rivers split to refuse all paths and offer his mosaic prayer. Unhinged, he peeled from yellow-leafed birches enough paper to fashion a bark and make for the moon, floating in the moment where one wave becomes another, amber driftwood or beach glass or lost unmapped stars reciting. We are what produces itself, sanded and cast adrift, precisely at the horizon and so eternally unseen, one note emerges from the drizzle of sound. We are what finally, somehow, though endless, does wash ashore. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to read a poem called John. I'm listening to the music of our brothers and sisters coming from up the stairs. It's beautiful, yeah. So I'm in a dark mood. <laughs> a dark mood. Uh, um, many of us may be. Um, this war that's ha war or military um, operations that are happening around the world is, you know, weighing a lot on my conscience. But I want us to um, work to prevent those deaths, but also be aware of the loss um, of all of the people that who are living in that area. I don't want us to have a simple response to this. Um, I worked in Palestine for many years. I never talked about it. If you know me, you probably don't know this because I don't talk about it. One of the reasons I don't talk about it is because I can't be public about it because it would have made it harder for me to go there and do the work that I was doing, which was innocuous after all. I was teaching yoga teachers and training yoga teachers in the West Bank, and I did it for seven years. Um, and I know plenty of people, Israeli and Palestinian people, who are dear to my heart and beloved to my heart and who are losing people right now. And so, um, uh, peace activists, uh, people who don't believe in the occupation, 
people who believe in the occupation, all kinds of people, um, do I know and am I concerned about at the moment. So uh, I hope we all keep our eyes on the prize and work to you know, bring a, a real peace and peaceful and just um, uh, resolution for our brothers and sisters. Um, so this poem is called John. I used to live on John Street in Manhattan. <laughs> God help me. Who, <laughs> who was I when I was writing this name? Copper oxidizing to green, air packing itself tight in the seed. The seed unspools in the ground, writing the biography of dirt. A little down the road, another tower is going up. A man holds his briefcase over his head like an umbrella. In the rain, bodies are soft and disappear into sound. On John Street, almost choking on loneliness, and the waters of the river, nothing so much as the air around us, and ash. What would outlive us drifts sparkling into the October air. And when you ask, who am I past this storm-tossed vessel, the one you're always bailing out, it is just another way to ignore this constant unraveling, this always reaching for an end when clearly there's no end in sight. Uh, I, wrote, I wrote down um, the, um, the reading on the back so I could just flip over here. Um, so uh, this poem is called Drone. There's two kinds of drones. I mean, there's the drone, but in Indian music, there is a drone called tanpura. The instrument is called tanpura that creates the drone, and it's this kind of constant in the background. So what is in the constant in our background, in our lives? What do we get desensitized to because it's always present? Drone. Do strangers make you human? Science fiction visiting bodies as cold fact. What unknown numbers govern our genes or our phones? A constant thrum from outer space, snow actually makes a sound in sand as it falls. You are seen from far above. What myth will explain you, unheard and vanished, bodies dismembered to dirt, hardly alive, hardly a person anymore. Who will I be next? And in that life, will you know me? Um, I was in Cordoba. Someone I read... <laughs> I read poems the other day, and there was a Q&A period, as there sometimes is, and someone said, why do you always say where you were when a certain poem happened? <laughs> and I, it was one of those moments where I didn't really realize I was doing that, so I had to come up with an answer really quickly, and I think I, I'm a nomad. I'm a nomadic person. I've never really had a home. I've always lived from place to place. I always find, find home wherever I go. Um, I'm, a, I'm a wanderer, I suppose. 
So um, I was, as it happens, um, in Corsica, um, and I had just been to the mosque in Corsica, uh, excuse me, Cordoba. Um, I was at the mosque in Cordoba uh, where you can't pray if you're a Muslim anymore because it's became, you know, it's, it's turned into a cathedral now. And this mosque is giant. I can't describe to you how big it is. Um, and what the Christian kings did when they took over Cordoba is they built a cathedral inside the mosque. So just picture like Notre Dame inside another building. And it's just, it's, I mean, it's when you're walking through the mosque and there's all the shadows and the arches and then you turn this corner and it's like, there's a cathedral inside this mosque. It's a very strange place, but at any rate, this has very little to do with this poem. Um, <laughs> this is a problem I have. Um, I was in Cordoba in 2008 when I learned of the death of Mahmoud Darwish, the Palestinian poet. So that's what this poem is actually about. Um, Darwish actually was, uh, he was a communist, and so he, was, he had solidarity with the other poets who were uh, also communists, including um, Neruda and Yanis Ritsos, the Greek poet, and others. And so he was actually in Neruda, he knew Yanis Ritsos, um, and he wrote a poem that's a famous poem that Fadi Judah translated called um, like strange, like it, um, something like in, being in a stranger's house. And he wrote it in Neruda's house about Yanis Ritsos. So then I was sitting in Cordoba and I learned about his death and I, yeah, I know it's too many levels. And, <laughs> and I wrote this poem about it's the poem is called Yanis Ritsos. But it's about Darwish, so sorry about that. And the, and the translator who's mentioned at the end of the poem is Fadi Judah. Uh, and the epigraph of this poem is by Darwish from his poem about Yanis Ritzos. Athens was welcoming to those who had come from the sea. This is because Athens was the first point of arrival for the um, PLO leadership when they um, left Beirut in 1982. Yanis... You held him in the glare of the diamonded sea, unteaching him his practical mantra of liberation. Maybe you saw in him a son to take care of you in your loneliness. Loneliness varnished by your detention in the house made of flower stems that thrust through the rocks in the prison yard, its roof made of unscannable lines of rain. You revealed to him the sound of the rusty hinged door, how it would swing sadly open and reveal no homeland beyond at all. How he came from the sea dragging his anklets of keys. Did you teach him then how the old locks and houses of his hometown were already all broken? Yanis. In the end, he rinsed the last of the coast roads dust from his body after a lifetime of pressing his language into lines of poetry and prayer and prestigitation. Tired of praising mosques in which he could not pray. That same morning that I was forbidden by the guard to pray at the Mesquita of Cordoba, he woke up in Houston, Texas, and went to a mall food court to meet for the first and last time his translator.
The words they spoke to one another were the same as those I saw in stone fragments on the floor of the archaeological dig at Medinat Zahra, the ruined capital of the West looking east toward the cities left behind. That city had remained buried in a field for a thousand years. The palace and throne room had been torn apart, the rubble of the mosaics now being painstakingly reassembled piece by piece, unlike the villages of Palestine, disassembled down to the stone. Giannis, what did you say to him that blue afternoon when the stone canoe landed and he arrived in another place that would be home and not home? In Cordoba, meanwhile, the story of his death flashed across the morning news, scrolling across the screen from clay to nothing. But... Let's let the sea have the last word. The sea he crossed to come to you, or the sea that sparkled off the coast of Chile when he in Neruda's house remembered you, or the sea that rained lightly down as the poet and his translator huddled together over cheap food court coffee to converse in all places in the world, a shopping mall in Texas, though it could have been Athens or Palestine or Neruda's house, at least as good as any mosque in the world, so long as there was coffee and poetry and the sound of rain. Rain in the shape of the river, rain in the shape of a broken lock, rain in the shape of long since verses written while the translator of lost homelands makes from the sound of butterfly wings rain in the shape of the dark furnace of days. Thank you. Um, I want to read a, just a uh, a couple more poems to you, and then I'm going to hear from my friend Major. <laughs> Very excited about this. Um, so these are a couple of different, I'm going to read like a couple of sonnets, um, too, from this book, The Voice of Sheila Chandra, and then I'll read one poem to close that is, takes place in America, not anywhere else. So uh, this, these two sonnets are from the voice of Sheila Chandra, and I was kind of interested in the sound of the vowel um, and against the line and uh, a note that rose and submerged and rose again. Breaks is constant, was like the river, light on the river, riven that remained a rift, an old rill that sounded, she merged with the vibe, ration of the drum, a hum, a home, womb, and um, she, om, moaned in the loam, dark earth, come, Sheila, dame, ocean, dome, this poem, roam to tome, tomb, foam, original fountain that fed my mom, zum, zum, when I was born. I 
and this is a sequence. It's it's a sequence of forty poems. Only twenty of them are in this book, Sukun. But one of the things I obsess about throughout the sequence is this color called Vanta Black. It was a color that was designed for military purposes. Actually, it's so black you can't see it. So it's ripe for metaphor, obviously. <laughs> Yeah, Fanta Black was made for missiles or planes for defense purposes so dark no eye could see it. Some voices are like that, no one could hear them. It is not good to be lost. To be lost is more than metaphor for spiritual condition. I sit at the terrace overlooking the green sea. Perhaps it is failure that ought to be sought. The voice that fails, falls, silent, Sheila's or the bodies, the blue failed me. The sun fails every evening. I, we, you have all failed too. Everyone who strove all these long years for peace failed. Um, okay, it was a lie. I'm, I'm going to read actually two more poems, but they're short, so um, forgive me. I'll end, I'll end with the new poem that's not in this book that's quite short, but this is the last poem that I'll read you from this book. It's called Pulse. It's called Pulse. To the sharp report in the dark, the season comes home. Long, tongue, sound, between hand and arm, between mouth and flesh, hold this moment, river still. What if it was my life? To return after years to the same province of danger, that old town you know, like the handle, the bump stock, the trigger. I want to return to the boat that bore me from the far shore decades ago. What I lived in those languages I forgot, the places I left I want to return to. Were we seen, were we spoken, were all the wolves baying met at the edge of the bright darkness of rain? Time cannot fulfill its promise to splinter, return, or slow vow. This wheel, this we, will this wheel, we even wean, we in the world would wove a low vow, fold, worn low at the hip, to be a solid soldier who soiled his sold soul for the chance to be the first to aim, first to fire, first to fly. In the crosshairs I am heir to no oar to hold. I am on both sides of the gun, toll as sound or cost, one that never ends and the other never returns. Any embrace is the first error in meaning's slope, wrought by thought that one could reach another, touch his shape, known in two genders, like Orlando, whose tongue newly woke to pronounce any word for God or man means to enter violences Fold now, no oath sworn to save 
no salvation, no salve, no valor, no ovation, no nation. And I would like to close with a brand new poem. Um, my, my ma passed away in May, and um, I haven't been writing a lot since then, but I did write this. Home flowers grew, who drew me in this shape? My tow rope drawn at dawn, who rose in air, who dispersed in hours. Days wore on, who wore this coat of sun? Sworn, sun worn down to dusk, who turned the husk or shape right toward God, who left this earth, who flew in waves, who waves from shore, who knew my ways of rain, that seed in blue lines pool, who knew me then, who knows me now, who leaves, relieves, this shape of earth from whom relief, what rose across the sky, the eye in my life, who knows who left, who's left. Thank you, my dears. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, this is part one of two. Please join us next time where we will be listening to uh, the rest of that evening with Major Jackson reading from his new book, Razzle Dazzle. Please follow us online. The American Poetry Review can be found on Facebook, Threads, and Instagram. 